Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. Well, the message today is called soul poisoning. And I think we all realize that there are certain things that we need to stay away from in life. It's not just certain foods or certain deadly insects or animals. Uh, sometimes it's just, you know, poisonous people. Let's be honest. Sometimes we know that there are things when we're around them and when they come into our lives or we come in close proximity to us, it somehow threatens our sense of safety. And one of the things that we do have within us, built within us, is this sense of either fight or flight. And we do that to survive. Our survival instincts are high and they're there to protect us and to keep us. What we sometimes don't realize is that that survival instinct can be manipulated or sometimes triggered to become a kind of fear that keeps us trapped or maybe paralyzes us to a point where we don't see a way out. Well, one of the things that all of us maybe at some point has experienced is a form of poisoning or feeling sick. You've probably had an upset stomach or stomach cramps. You've had some form of nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, or even fever, lovely symptoms. Um, these are all things that at some point we may have had. And it's interesting to, to look into when someone does get food poisoning, um, sometimes you can feel the symptoms within minutes. And then other times it can take hours, sometimes even days. And it can sometimes last not just a few hours, but sometimes it can actually last up to four weeks. I never thought that was the case, but you can actually experience something over a long period of time, and, and the symptoms themselves don't dissipate. It makes me think of a time when I was just going on a trip, and uh, if you've ever done any type of traveling, you sometimes prepare for the place that you're going to, and that may include a a vaccine of sorts, or it may include just making sure that you don't get a certain symptom once you arrive in that country. And so you prepare the best that you can. But sometimes, well, there's not much that you can do. You make a mistake or something gets you anyways. And as a result, well, you end up getting sick. And it makes me think of a time when I went to the Dominican Republic with a team of people to build homes. And we went there to build um, concrete houses with tin roofs and we were going to also build a um, playground for the kids and so as we set out to do this trip and we were going to be there for a period of of a few weeks uh, I did everything I could to prepare myself for this time away in the Dominican Republic and we were told very clearly you know stay away from this stay away from that and obviously one of the things that we had to stay away from was the water and so 
it was clear to me that I was going to be careful in this way, and, and I was. And the first week went fine. The second week, we got a couple of days uh, off, and we all went to a beach called Susua. And we, we all got in the back of pickup trucks, and we drove down to the beach, and we had a great time in the ocean. And then the way back, we got the chance to just kind of visit, you know, that seaside village and town, and just try to take in the sights. And, and I came across this really cool um, snow cone um, maker that was by the road. And I, I looked at the snow cone, and I thought, man, this is, like, amazing. The guy looked so good. We had a great conversation. And I wanted to encourage him, and he's like, hey, you want to buy some snow cones? And I was like, yeah, sure, you know, I'll buy them. And, and so I bought a couple of snow cones, and I remember, you know, it was just like, I had like this great cherry one and this blueberry one, and I was like, fantastic. And then I, I got back, and then uh, I started like feeling a little sick. And then people were telling me, Lorenzo, what did you do? I was like, I don't know. I don't think I did anything. I can't think of it. Like, what is it? Like, did you drink the water? No, I didn't drink the water. I know I'm not supposed to do that. Guys, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the food you guys are feeding me. Like, I don't know what it was. I was feeling really sick. I got this high fever. It was over 102. I was, I was like shaking. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And then it dawned on me. It was the snow cone. I had taken water in a different form, and I didn't realize it. I, it, it totally fooled me. It got me. And, 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 all, and, and I'm, all I'm trying to say to you is not, hey, watch out for the snow cone. But what I'm saying is, watch out for the snow cone that presents itself in your life that you think is safe. But at the end of the day, it just poisons you anyways. And it made me think of, of the things that we sometimes allow in our lives, which at first look great. The things in our lives which at first seem safe. The things in our life which we say are going to be fine, but then they end up poisoning us. And I want us to understand that on this day, there are certain things that God warns us that we could experience a form of poisoning, but it's for our souls. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, it says this, I want you to do all things. And here's the challenge. It says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And God is saying, I know what the world is like and I also know how I want you to be like. And for you not to become like everyone else in the world, to continue to shine brightly as the light that I have created you to be, well then this is what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need you to live your life and to do all things. And the first thing that he lays out as a condition for us to not have our souls poisoned is to do things without grumbling or even disputing. Have you ever tried to go through an entire day without grumbling or a dispute of some sort? Honestly, have you ever tried? Think of a time in which you actually made it through the entire day and you never grumbled once. And you never got into a dispute of any kind. 
and, and you realize that they're difficult things to uphold. Is it just difficult for me, or would you say that it's difficult for you as well? Just to get some feedback. Do you find it difficult to go through a day without grumbling or getting into any kind of dispute or conflict? But just put up your hand real quick. Right? I think all of us, in one way or another, realize how challenging this is and how difficult it is. And so I, I had to figure this out for myself. So if this is going to change in my life, and I'm not going to let my soul get poisoned, then how am I going to do things differently? What am I going to have to do to take this instruction that I'm being given, this command that is being given, how am I going to put this into practice? Well, well the first thing I look and see and find in the scriptures that an antidote to my soul being poisoned is that I have to regularly practice giving thanks. I have to regularly practice giving thanks. That means I have to have this attitude that is going to express gratitude. It means that I'm going to have to praise in moments when I am just poor in spirit, where I am upset, when I am frustrated, when I look at the situation that I'm in, and all I can do is grumble, and all I can do is be in conflict, not just with myself, but with the situation and the circumstances or even the people with which I am grumbling with or about. The Bible tells me this, that I can go through this life either with an attitude that reflects gratitude or I'm going to go through this life with a sense of entitlement. I can tell you right now that if you struggle with gratitude, it is because you have a sense of entitlement that has somehow poisoned your soul and has taken over. The moment that we begin to express entitlement is the time that we are going to grumble, we're going to complain, we are going to be negative, we are going to get into conflicts, and we are not going to be able to be grateful because entitlement has taken over. This negativity, along with simply taking for granted the simple and the good things that we have in our lives and losing sight of them, that sense of entitlement that we absolutely deserve better and more than anything that we have received to date, whenever we have this kind of an attitude, it is then that our soul becomes poisoned. And so God says the way that you are going to fight entitlement is going to be with gratitude. The second thing is that you're going to have to praise God when all is well. Because if you don't do it when everything is well, you're not going to do it when it's not. And so it isn't just having a sense of entitlement. It's the fact that you are living a life in which you are not grateful for when things are going well. Because you just kind of take it for granted. The entitlement extends to us believing 
that we should always be blessed, that things should always go our way, that things should never go wrong, that we should always have a smooth road in front of us. And if we are not able to thank God when things are going well, we're not going to do it when things aren't. We're going to blame God, we're going to hate God, we're going to turn against God, and we're going to turn against people who believe in God, who also want to pray for us so that we can see God work in our lives. And we're not going to turn to people to ask them to pray because we're going to look at them and we're going to say, what's the point? Look at how God isn't blessing my life. And whether we realize this or not, at the root cause of it is entitlement. And we need to expose these lies so that we know what could be poisoning us. Well, something else that always comes up, and it's doubt. And I don't know about you, but there are moments in my life where I've struggled with doubt and moments in my life where I continue to struggle with doubt. Sometimes I don't know how things are going to turn out. I, I don't know if, if things are going to turn around. I don't know if, if things are going to work out, even the way that I pray for them. I don't know what God has in store, but I do know this, that it isn't the certainty of things working out the way that I pray for them, but it's the certainty of God working things out because I pray to him. And so God says that he is going to take whatever the circumstances are and he's going to work them for our good. That's his promise to us. It isn't the absence of conflict or danger or sickness or any form of circumstance that can bring us a sense of our life has been poisoned by this hardship, but it's an understanding that God is still at work. And even when it looked like it was impossible for God to turn things around, when we read through the stories of the Bible, we see that God still did. He always did for his people. He always did it. Sometimes it would take a few days. Sometimes it would take some weeks. Sometimes it took months and years. But what we see from the scriptures is that God always turned it around for good. And you need to believe that for yourself and know that you will not allow your mind and your heart to be poisoned by doubt. But you will be a person of faith. And even when your faith is weak and even when it is more doubt than faith that you have, the amount of faith that you do have is enough to turn you to God and to say, God, I will not allow my life to be poisoned by this doubt Fill me with faith. Just like that man who went to Jesus and said, I do have faith to believe that you can heal, but would you also help me in my unbelief? He had doubt. He was struggling. He didn't have everything perfect, but he had enough to go to Jesus and say, would you help me with my doubt? And that is what we need to do to make sure that doubt doesn't continue to poison us. And so we learn to see how bad produces good outcomes when we move away from doubt and begin to see God work in our lives with faith. 
Give God an opportunity to take those bad outcomes and turn them into good. And then also declare it with your voice. Declare it in your mind and in your heart. And say, Lord, I don't deny this bad outcome. I don't deny this illness. I don't deny this hardship. I don't deny this trial and this setback. I don't deny that right now I'm alone and I'm struggling. And I don't deny the fact that I'm sick and that I am afraid. I don't deny any of these things. But I come before you and I say, I believe that all the bad that is in my life right now, you can turn that around for my good. That you will not leave me here in this state. But you will turn this around for me, and you will turn this around for those that I pray for, for those that I do life with, for those that I believe, God, that you are hearing and answering our prayers. Amen? That God can do this. You know what another poison is? It's apathy. I think we can all get to a place where we just say these words, I don't care. And then we proceed to talk about it for the next three hours. Do you ever do that? <laughs> oh, I don't care. I've moved past this. Let me tell you what's going on. And then they, they just keep going and they just keep going. It's not bothering anymore. I'm really past this. It's, it's in the past. Uh, it happened 25 years ago. But you know what? I'll just tell you because you weren't there. So let me tell you what happened. And we sometimes just can't let things go, right? We just can't. And, and we say that we have moved on, we've moved past, and, and, and sometimes apathy, you know, can be, can be a, a thing that helps us to, to, to get free, we think, in the moment. But what we realize is that apathy actually is, is keeping us trapped in that moment. It, it's a false healing. It's a false deliverance. It's a false way of getting past what it is that we've been through. It isn't real. It's counterfeit. It's fake. And it's poisoning us. And every day, we don't realize the damage that it's doing. Because apathy, once it sets in, it doesn't just touch one person that you no longer want in your life. It begins to fester in you as a human being, as a soul being, as a being with a soul that God wants to separate from apathy. And the powerful thing that we can do when we are going through moments where we have apathy is that we can go to God in prayer. You know what changes you from a person who's apathetic to a person who no longer is, it's only prayer. You want to change your feelings, but let's be honest, you are not going to change them on your own. No measure of talking about it, no measure of dealing with it is going to change your heart the way that God can. And God says that if you will come and bring this to me in prayer, I promise you that you will no longer be trapped by this. The word apathy actually comes from the Greek, and it actually means without suffering. And, and when we are passionate, we love to such an extent that it pulls us out of our comfort zones to a place where we suffer emotionally, financially, even physically. No wonder 
we sometimes choose apathy because we want the suffering to end. Makes sense, right? And so what God says is that instead of you making decisions about how this suffering is going to end, why don't you come to me in prayer and let me show you the way out of this. Let me lead you down a road that you may have never even considered and experience a freedom that you had never thought possible. But I will show you and reveal to you through prayer. And when we pray, God doesn't just like somehow give us a word of, of wisdom. He sometimes does that. Sometimes he doesn't just point us to something in the scriptures when we open the Bible and there's a verse and it's perfect, but he sometimes does that. He doesn't just speak to us in our dreams and sometimes when we're awake we get a thought and then somehow penetrates our heart to an extent and it makes us feel the warmth and the love and the embrace of God to such an extent that we know that this is not natural. This isn't something that is caused by our thinking it and our somehow bringing it. This is something that is beyond us. It is supernatural. It is God touching us. He is the divine touching the human spirit that we have and giving us a sense that he is with us. There are times when we pray that what God does is that he shows us just by simply healing us that we are now going to be past it forever. That the next time we think about it, that the next time we want to talk about it, we're going to see that our mind is no longer the same, that our words can no longer speak the same words that they did before, that our heart no longer feels the pain in the same way, that we are finally free. And that happens when we pray. And unless we give it to God, we are not going to experience this. We're going to keep living the poison of apathy. We'll be what we believe is without suffering but we will be poisoned to a slow death that will affect us in other areas of our life and keep us from experiencing the thanksgiving that God wants us to have in our hearts. I know that most of us in this space are very busy. I think some of the busiest people I've ever met are retired people. I don't know why that happens, but it's true. It's like they find things to do and they keep busy with things that they never even did before when they were already very busy. Retirement didn't make them less busy, it made them more busy. And so a lot of what we do in our busyness can sometimes keep us and preventing us from noticing the very things that could be poisoning us. And when, when Jesus comes into the house of Martha and Mary, and he says to Martha, Mary has chosen the better place at my feet listening to my teachings than you, Martha, being busy preparing everything so it's perfect, so we can have an incredible meal, so that we could have our Thanksgiving celebration. I want you to know that your busyness is actually your poison. And what he pointed out in Martha's life was that her busyness was her poison. And what he's pointing out to us is that our busyness can be a poison for us as well. Now we don't want 
to be busy all the time. And, and, and I was just asked this backstage. Someone said, Lorenzo, how are you feeling? I'm saying, I'm tired. This has been a really, really tiring and exhausting time in my life. The last two years, I think I'm, I, I'm the, the most exhausted that I have ever felt. And I, and I feel like I haven't had a rest. Is it okay if I just vent a little bit? <laughs> I feel like I haven't had a rest. It's true. And, and, and so when we think of busyness, a lot of people look at this, this COVID period and are like, oh, thank God, I'm like, I'm so restful, I'm working out, I'm eating better. I don't have those toxic relationships at work anymore because I don't have to see their faces. <laughs> I work from home. I'm in my pajamas. I start the day with a Chardonnay. It's, I love it. <laughs> and there's so many people like telling me this. I'm like listening, oh, nice, nice. <laughs> wow, that's great. Love it. So happy for you. <laughs> And, and, it, and it bothers me because I realize that I, I'm looking for uh, rest in my busyness. And then I have to be reminded, wait a second, how am I trying to attain rest? How am I trying to experience rest? How am I trying to live a life of rest? And then I realize that, that the best way to have rest is to take the kind of rest that the Bible describes where there is a ceasing of activity with a focus on spirituality. And, and unless we're ceasing our activity to put a focus on our spirituality, we are not going to rest. And it's happened to me. I, I have gone on vacation and come back more exhausted. And, and that's because my wife refuses to sleep in ever anywhere we go. That's part of it. The other part of it is that we have to walk everywhere. And so I come back and I'm exhausted. I'm like, I was just on vacation for two weeks. I don't feel, and then I realize, hold on a second. What did I do during those two weeks? How much time did I spend in my spiritual life? And there wasn't any time because we were out in the morning, visiting this, doing that, going here, going there, checking out this, afraid that we were going to miss out on that. And I didn't take the time that I needed to take to spiritually nourish myself. Let me tell you something. If your busyness keeps you away from God, you are poisoning yourself slowly and deliberately where you, without realizing, are not just allowing this toxicity to live in you, you're spreading it to other people. And so God says, I want you to move away from your busyness and into a place of rest. And Jesus, it look, every time he does it in the Bible, it looks really bad. Like every time Jesus gets away from the crowds, it looks like he just like, just had enough of people. He's like, the crowds were pressing in, he got into a boat and he went on the other side. But then when he got there, and he got out of the boat. The people had just walked around and they met him there. <laughs> there are times where Jesus is just getting away from people. He's just getting away from the 12. He's just like, guys, just like, yeah, hang out here a bit. I'm just going to go over there. Jesus, can we come? No. <laughs> and like we sometimes 
realize that we just don't want people. We don't, we've had enough. We've reached our limit. Jesus knew when he had reached his limit because busyness was keeping him from connecting with his heavenly father. And I'm telling you that if we don't connect with our heavenly father, and if we see Jesus getting away from people and his disciples, even when people needed him, he knew that he would have nothing more to give if he didn't spend time with his father in heaven. And so if we think that we are not living our best life, I want you to just check and see if your busyness is keeping you away from your spiritual rest. And if it is, chances are you've just realized one of the toxins that is poisoning your soul. And here's the last one, and I always keep the best one for last because it's the one that we all struggle with the most, and that's unforgiveness. I think the, the most difficult thing to overcome is or for each and every one of us, just being able to forgive someone. There's some things that are just, let's be honest, they're unforgivable. And, and, and forgiving that or forgiving that person, it's kind of like saying this is okay. One time when I was 16 years of age, my brother, who at the time, my youngest brother, was 10 years old. And he was playing outside with a friend, and his friend took a balloon that was my brother's and threw it out into the street. And my brother ran after it. And when he went after it, he ended up in the middle of the road. And just at that very moment, a man in a Ford pickup truck burned the yellow light and then hit my brother. My brother went flying before our eyes. He had this balloon. This truck was coming right for him swerved at the last second. He dented his entire door. My brother went flying over 20 feet, landed on the street, and then wasn't moving. There happened to be a nurse came over, tried to resuscitate him, resuscitate him, nothing. Called the ambulance, the ambulance came, couldn't resuscitate him. And all of a sudden, a few of us that were there began to just former circle around my brother and began to pray. And just like that, he came back. And had been without breathing in the street for 10 minutes. And just like that, my brother came back. He was brought to the hospital, and he didn't even have a broken bone. And I want you to understand that there was a moment there where the only thing that I could think of was I wanted to kill the driver of that car. That's it. That was the only thought I had. At 16 years of age, I was a different dude. <laughs> the only person that was going to keep me from taking this guy out in the middle of the street were the three guys holding me back because I kept trying. And you know what I saw? That the whole time that I was trying to kill that guy who had just, I thought, killed my brother. 
Everybody else was praying around my brother. And if those people were not circling my brother in prayer, my brother would be dead today. Because the only thing that was in my head and in my heart was unforgiveness. You follow what I'm saying? If that moment was dependent on me seeing my brother raised back to life, it wouldn't have happened. Now, my brother, since that day, has always been a little off, but. <laughs> but he's alive and we love him, you know? I'm joking. Eddie, if you're watching, I love you. <clears throat> but unforgiveness can really keep us from experiencing the miracle. The miracle that you need in your life and that someone else needs in theirs. Amen? Amen. We forgive not just because we've been forgiven, but we forgive because we can then be free and experience the miracles that God has for us and for others around us. If I live my life with unforgiveness, I could miss out on the miracles that God wants to do. And so I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be, never again will I be that person. I learned that day what forgiveness meant. I didn't have to try to kill him because God had every intention to bring my brother back to life. And so today I want to encourage you. Don't let these toxins poison your soul. Don't let these things hold you back from everything that God has in store for you. Let this day be a day and every day like it where we are filled with gratitude and praise. Not just reminded of it on Thanksgiving weekend or on Thanksgiving Sunday, but every day. Avoiding the toxins so that we can be grateful for all that he is, all that he has done, and all that he will do. And Father, I want to thank you for every person here, for the incredible things that you have in store for them for the toxins that you have pointed out and for the toxins that you are releasing from their soul, freeing them and separating them from these poisons so that they can experience the fullness of the miracle that you have in store for them. Lord, I want to thank you for how you are going to reveal that and how you're going to accomplish that. How you have impacted us today to take steps towards experiencing something new. And we praise your name for all of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.